Everybody, welcome to another edition of Locked On. Oilers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Tom Gazzola with you from TSN 1260, Edmonton sports leader. And we've got a lot to get to on today's program. But first, I have to tell you that the episode of Locked On Oilers that you're listening to right now is brought to you by Built Bar. Remember, promo code Locked On gets you $10 off your first box at www.builtbar.com. I crushed a couple of Built Bars at the turn on the golf course, both on Wednesday and Thursday to test them out to see if they could maintain my energy levels, give me a little bit of boost for the back nine on both days. And the Built Bar did succeed both days. Little rusty first time out on Wednesday, shot 94, not happy about that, but expected the rust and then cleaned it up on Thursday. Six strokes better, finished up with an 88. Still some improvement needed to get my scores back down into the lower 80s and hopefully, hopefully, hopefully break 80 at some point this golf season. So the Built Bars uh, came through in the clutch for me. And uh, if you're interested, go to www.builtbar.com. Type in the promo code Locked On L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $10 off your first box. All right, as promised, got to get to some news and update you on what's going on when it comes to the Oilers being a hub city for the National Hockey League, if and when things do resume. Ryan Rashog, my colleague at TSN, and you've heard him here on the podcast a couple of times, tweeted out an update on talks between the Oilers and the province of Alberta. Here is what Rashog reported, and uh, he wrote this all out. I'm going to read every bullet point for you just so you're aware of where things are at. The Oilers are on track to have their latest document to the province early next week with expanded details on their proposal. This is not a finished proposal. It's a working document that goes back and forth between the two sides. The final product is still a ways away from being submitted. As for arenas, dressing rooms, ice surfaces, hotels, and other required criteria from the NHL, the organization believes up to eight NHL teams could conceivably be hosted in Edmonton if needed. I've talked about that and detailed it in terms of logistics at Rogers Place here on Locked On Oilers. Testing remains a major issue and multiple scenarios are still being considered, but the Oilers maintain they and the NHL will both source and pay for any required testing for its players and staff. One of the options being looked at next week is a mobile testing unit where the entire process could happen on site other options are on-site testing with the processing happening in separate labs. All to be determined, the Oilers share the same sentiment as Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment in Toronto that any facilities put in place to aid in player testing could also be used by the general public if needed, and any overstock of tests could potentially go into the public supply team has also had ongoing talks with the city of Edmonton as they will be major players in accommodating this event if it were to happen. This coming from my colleague at TSN, Ryan Rashog, late Friday afternoon. So there you go. You're updated in regard to the Oilers situation with them potentially hosting and being a hub city for the National Hockey League if and when it should resume play. Other notes to get to really quickly when it comes to the NHL. Ontario allowing professional sports franchises to have players return to their team facilities. I believe when I read up on that, it was an emergency order put out by 
the province, and that opens the door to NHL, CFL, NBA, MLB, and MLS franchises. Uh, the, the AHL teams and junior teams not under that same order. So we'll see how that plays out. I think that more so affects NBA teams immediately, and that just being the Toronto Raptors, uh, because the NBA has allowed some voluntary workouts to begin, I think it, starting today, actually. So there you go. The Raptors can go back to their facilities, but I think it's limited to four players at a time in the team facilities. Very, very strict rules and guidelines in place as the doors open up on NBA facilities, but that is news nonetheless. And the other thing to point out that uh, we've kind of talked about a few times here on Locked On Oilers is the NHL potentially looking at a June 5th date to do a virtual draft, and that could be a TV event and, you know, maybe something that the league gets out of the way and not have to worry about later on in any potential late offseason. But Bill Daly said that there's no urgency on a decision to set a date for the draft. And uh, Pierre Lebrun was the one who had that report and did get that quote from Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. So no urgency to set a date for the NHL draft. We'll see if it occurs virtually on June 5th or sometime in early June or mid-June. But no urgency. You're updated. And now I tell you this. On today's podcast, we will also... Do one final look at franchise greatest games. I'm, of course, picking them. And earlier on in the week, I had the Game 7 series clincher against the Colorado Avalanche in 1998. That was a 4-0 victory. And then the Game 6 win of the 06 Stanley Cup Final against Carolina, also a 4-0 win. And that one occurring here in Edmonton, the final playoff game to be played at Rexall Place. The Oilers played a near-perfect game and blanked the Hurricanes to force a Game 7, which they would lose 3-1. to one. And, uh, you know, that was a tough one, but a great Game 6 and one of the greatest in franchise history. And in continuing with ones that flew under the radar, we're going to look at another game from that memorable playoff run right here on Locked On Oilers. Guys, I'm here to tell you about Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bars are delicious. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, a chocolate bar, whatever you want to call it. There's 16 great flavors, eight with nut, eight with nut-free options. And of course, the bars are 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Built Bars are definitely healthy, and it's a great health-conscious choice for the health-conscious guy or gal out there. If you want to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat, Built Bars, they're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber flavor profile. Today, we're going to go with mint brownie, 15 grams of protein, 110 calories as well as four grams of sugar and five grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. As we wrap up Franchise Greatest Games here on the Locked On Podcast Network, I am going to unveil the final greatest game 
of the week. And we're going to take a look into this one. And we have some special audio to get into as well. To wrap up this week here on Locked On Oilers, we're going to highlight it with one of what I thought was a great game in franchise history. It occurred on May 1st, 2006. It was game six of the first round series between the Oilers and the Detroit Red Wings. The Oilers were up three games to two in the series. They were down 2 nothing to start the third period. Fernando Pizzani gets two goals to tie it. Johan Franzen makes it 3-2 for the wing. Sucked the life right out of the building at Rexall Place. You know, everyone was buzzing after Pizzani's two goals to tie things up. Edmonton had the momentum. Johan Franzen crashes the crease, buries a rebound on Dwayne Rollis, and gives the wings a 3-2 lead. Then later in the period, Alish Hemsky crashes the net in a different way. And there's a goal mouth scramble. The puck kind of pops up into the air. And I think it was Nick Lidstrom and another Red Wings player push Alish Hemsky into the net and into the post. And the puck bounces off of him and goes past Manny Legacy and in. It would have to be reviewed. Mick Magoo would do the review. You remember Mick Magoo, the legendary NHL referee, goes on the call. They review it. Points to center ice. It's a goal. 3-3. Everything's tied up. Tension in the building, of course. And then later in the period, with just a minute 16 left on the clock, Sergei Samsonov finds a wide-open Alish Hemsky for a second of the night and the series-winning goal. That was an unbelievable moment for the Oilers as they defeated the President Trophy-winning Detroit Red Wings, one of the unlikeliest wins as the Oilers finished the season with 95 points, barely scraped their way into the postseason as the eighth seed Detroit, by the way, cruised to a 58-16-8 record, 124-point season, absolutely insane. That game would end up being Steve Eiserman's final National Hockey League game. You'll recall as well, Kenny Holland, who is now the president of hockey operations and GM of the Oilers, was the GM of the Red Wings at the time. Unbelievable game, one of the greatest in franchise history. And to recap that season and that memorable run and even talk about that series, we will hear from Jarrett Stoll, Ethan Morrow, and Dwayne Rollison. Enjoy, everyone. Recently, uh, Chris Pronger, I guess, was on a podcast, and, and he felt that if uh, if Dwayne hadn't have been injured in that in those finals, that the Oilers would have won the cup. Maybe a thought on that. I'll start with you, Ethan. What what do you think on that? Do you agree? Well, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty obvious. I mean, we had we went from having the best goalie in the world at that time to, uh, and everybody everybody loves Juicy and Mark and uh, and Ty. Uh, I think they were just ideal second uh, second goalies in the NHL. Not just that year, but in previous years and in the following decade, they're just great great teammates and great people. So any of these comments has nothing to do with their ability or their quality of, of, of teammate. But Roley was at a different level. Um, you know, it took. Some, took him some time when he got onto our team, but I really truly believe. But when we entered the playoffs, we had the best goalie in the world and the best defenseman in the world. And you don't have to have the best goalie in the world, but he, at that time he was. So I mean, it goes without saying. I mean, it's it's we, we've all been saying it for a decade and a half. Um, 
I remember sitting on the bench and we scored the first two goals, I believe, and first three goals. And I, I said, this is in my head, obviously, this is, this is a joke. Like we're, this, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to win. But Roley was such a huge part of our success that losing him was, was in, insurmountable. And we almost did it um, just through what we did all year through sheer will and, and scoring more than the other team. But um, yeah, that, that's a very obvious point that losing Roley was the, the turning point. Jared, anything you want to add to that? Well, yeah, Ethan, you're exactly right. Just the confidence that Roley um, showed um, right from basically, yeah, right from when we got him, it was just, uh, it came throughout our team and instilled that in our team. And we all know sports, especially hockey, that confidence can uh, can do wonders and do absolutely, you can do absolutely anything when you have it and you have it consistently. So yeah, we were rolling going into those playoffs and, you know, it took us, I think, to the 80th or maybe even the 81st game to to clinch. But you know, when you have when you have guys at the top of their game at that time, that's that's all you need. You need you know three or four good things to go in the in the playoffs. We we were healthy. We got some bounces. We got some breaks. Unbelievable goaltending and timely goals. And that's that's kind of what uh, what it was. Uh, another question, and this is also from uh, that was from Adam Cook at CTV. Another question, and I'll start with you, Dwayne. Right now, obviously, Edmonton streets are pretty quiet and pretty empty. Just wondering what it was like in two thousand six with. Uh, the playoffs going on in Edmonton, what was it like in the city of Edmonton? Uh, simple word, crazy. It was, uh, I think the city ran out of beer two or three times and it was, everything was getting trucked in uh, from Calgary. And then for us, when we were trying to get to uh, the airport, um, usually just went down the Trans-Canada and up the airport. We had to go all the way around and it probably took another 20 minutes off on White Ave area. So we, we had to go around it and it was it was crazy. I don't think I've been in a city that's been that uh, excited about anything. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun to be a part of. Jared, what do you remember of that time and uh, the, the run and what it was like in the city of Edmonton uh, while that was going on? I just uh, we could be here all day, I think. But uh, White Ave, White Ave, White Ave was bouncing. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. It's uh, I think that one main word we used that whole the whole playoffs was electric, and that was kind of our our thing in in the city and in the arena. And um, yeah, it was it was so much fun for me being from Saskatchewan. I had so many family and friends in, so got to also experience that with them, and they got to experience that. Um, one of my buddies actually got his phone stolen on White Ave after one of the games and the guy started running down the street. My buddy tracked him down and uh, it ended up on CTV news. Nobody believed him, but uh, on the news, six o'clock news the next day, there he was on the news, just curb stomping the guy getting his phone back. But uh, it was, it was just so much fun. It was like Rolly said on the way to the uh, couple of those games after, after the games, we had to go right to the airport. Um, so going down, uh, I forget which one, maybe 75th or whatever it was to get to the airport and, we're stuck in traffic too, but everybody leaving the game. So people started recognizing us and realizing what, what we were doing, where we're going and they would get out of their cars and we'd have conversations with them and high five them. And, you know, they were just, just so happy. Hey, Ethan, anything else stand out for you about that time about sort of what was going on in the city of Edmonton during that run? I, I, I think that the, the, the different part of it, especially now is that we were a part of it. I mean, we were, we were on, we were on those streets and we were in those bars, but um, probably too much, but 
um, we enjoyed it. We were part of it. We were, uh, like, after we'd win a, a series, we'd go out and we'd celebrate with, with the fans. And it was a little bit before social media. Um, probably couldn't do that now, but we, we enjoyed it because we were actually a part of it, and we got to, we got to witness it first, firsthand. Question for uh, Jarrett from uh, Jim Matheson. You obviously went on to, to win a Stanley Cup in uh, two Stanley Cups in L.A. I'm just wondering if that eased some of the pain from, uh, from uh, losing with in, this, uh, in 2006 and also maybe what you, you learned from 2006 that maybe you were able to apply in, uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, no, it didn't erase it. To be honest with you, I uh, I'm still upset that we lost Game Seven in Carolina. We, you know, we we had the team, we had all the right ingredients, and then things were going well. We uh, the momentum switch, the the momentum changes from when um, Fernando scored the overtime in, in Game Five, shorthanded to to bring it back for Game Six. We played our most dominant game in Game Six, probably. So going in you, to Game Seven, you just you feel it. We had it, and uh, you know we let it slip away, but. Um, no, it, it's definitely hurt. It still hurts for sure to, to win in Edmonton could have, uh, you know, we, we heard about it. We hear about it when we, uh, when we played there and lived there to, to win in that city, it would just uh, be unbelievable. And you can only imagine what those guys in the eighties, you know, winning all those Stanley cups, how they were uh, experience, experiencing it. And uh, you know, that, yeah, that hurts to not, to not have a chance to do that, but you know, winning, you just, like I said, about the momentum, you learn to, when you have it, you got to take it and you got to keep it. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's tough with, with injuries as well. You got to stay healthy, like I said. And, you know, we had the timely, timely saves here in L.A. with Jonathan Quick, as we did with Roley back in 06. Um, we stayed healthy. You know, we had some bounces and we had timely goals and we had some big plays by big players on our team. And back in 2006, you know, we had Ryan Smith, Sean Horkoff had a huge year, a huge, huge playoffs, Alex Hemsky who uh, had a great playoffs and, uh, and Chris Pronger, who, you know, he probably should have won the con Smythe. You know, he could have been one of those guys that uh, not many guys on a losing team win it, but you know, Prongs, uh, Prongs was right there. So yeah, a lot of things uh, go into it, but definitely still hurts. Dwayne in those, uh, in that final, in that first game, when, when Adam Ladd uh, collided with you a uh, question from Jim Madison, did you know right away, what was your sense? What was going through your mind as that was happening? Did you have a feeling that, um, that might be it for you. Uh, I actually thought I broke my arm, um, to be honest with you, because the way it, the way it came into me and the way I was positioned, my arm was on the outside of the post, and he came straight into it. And then, you know, Kenny, I just remember Kenny around, and he's like, what's wrong, what's wrong? I said, I think I broke my arm. He goes, how's your knee? I said, my knee's fine. <laughs> he goes, seriously? I'm like, yeah. He goes, feel a pop or anything? I said, yeah, a little pop, but nothing major. He goes, stand up. So I stood up, goes, go down. He goes, we're out of here. And that was it. Like, as soon as I went down, I was like a knife going, going through my knees. So he goes, we're out of here. Like he knew right away that I was pretty much done. Um, and obviously I didn't break my arm and, and, you know, unfortunately it's, it, it is what it is. And, you know, I was, the base cheerleader from that point on, just trying to make sure the guys were ready to go day in and day out. And, you know, I remember having Uli by my side day in, trying to trying to keep these guys pretty relaxed and, you know, trying to get, get them to win a win game seven. It was, uh, it was an emotional roller coaster for me personally. And, 
you know, the guys did a great job of, you know, keeping me a part of it and, and not, you know, saying, Hey, oh, you know, too bad, too bad. You know, it's, no, nope, we're here. We're going to win it and let's go. And so I'll give the, the guys a lot of credit for, you know, keeping me involved and keeping my spirits up through it all. Cause it was pretty disappointing at the time. Um, a question, and maybe I'll ask uh, Jarrett this one, Jim Matson, uh, Post Media, wondering just from a Chris Pronger standpoint, he obviously left right after the season. Was there any inkling that that was going to happen? And also, did that take away a little bit from the the joy of that playoff ride for somebody who had been so such a big part of that to, to leave over the offseason? Well, myself personally, it was it was a surprise and a shock to me. I had no idea what was what was going on or if things were going on. So, no, I didn't know anything and uh, definitely a shock. And yeah, he's, he's, he's one of your best players and, you know, a guy that is in every situation, dominates every situation. And, you know, we were a tough team to play against. I think we were a really hard team to play against, especially coming into our building and, and prongs was a huge part of that. So to lose him, uh, yeah, it hurt. It definitely hurt. It's, uh, you know, it's, I think it's common sense. You lose your best player and uh, it's going to take a hit throughout your locker room, throughout your team. And uh, unfortunately, it did that for us. If you look back at that 2006 playoff run, um, I'll start with you, Dwayne. Is there one special moment memory that stands out more than any other that uh, you think about and you, you take with you forever from, uh, from that run? There's not one. There's like 400 million of them. Like every, every game, there was something different. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of great memories and a lot of great friendships that that evolved from that that playoff time. And um, you know, for me, just just one thing was uh, just us as a group, how we were as as a group. Uh, like we could go to, you know, I remember first getting traded there. It was like. Jason Smith had me over. Ethan had me over. Stoli had me over. It's like you know, my family wasn't there, so you know, everyone was getting me out of the hotel, getting me over to the houses, and you know, having having dinner. So at least getting getting away from restaurant and sitting in a hotel by myself, and I just think us as a group, as a team, how we were we were, and that's uh, for me, that's something that I'll always remember and cherish. Jared, how about you? Anything stand out for you, a, a memory or something special about that time that stands out? Uh, well, the first round was pretty was pretty cool. It was, you know, you're playing Detroit and to look at that lineup and they finished, I think, with 124 points. And, you know, we had no business being in that series or winning that series. Um, but the type of team we had, we outworked them and we outplayed them and we we had Dwayne Rollison. So uh, that was cool. And what, what, uh, what Ethan said earlier about just enjoying it with the fans and you know, after that game six win, we, we all went to Hudson's on White Ave and, and the fans we were there. Be, and our, where did we go before that? What? Where did we go after that? Uh, <laughs> that's where I couldn't get Dwayne out of my out of my condo for two days. <laughs> that was pretty funny, though, too. Just just being at Hudson's with, with the fans, with our whole team, and enjoying uh, just beating the President's Trophy winners and going back to, to my place and just – looking over and seeing some of the Red Wing players, uh, you know, having a, having a good time with us was, was special, but um, yeah, just, just the whole run too. It's just uh, the dressing room talk we had earlier. The one thing also I remember just sitting in the dressing room before the game in between periods, just 
the let's go Oilers chants that were happening. Like you could hear those so loud in our dressing room. And, you know, we were calm. We were, we were a collective group. We, we knew what was at stake, but we also knew that it was, you know, our building was a tough place to come in and play and teams that were coming in, they knew they had their work cut out for them. And, uh, but for us to hear the fans like that, like it just gave us so much juice and, uh, you know, it obviously helped us, uh, go till the end. But uh, yeah, there's so many, like Dwayne said, there's so many, uh, you know, stories and things you can remember and cherish forever. Ethan, how about you? Any, any special memories that stand out from, uh, from that run? Well, I'll just, I'll just pick one. Um, we went down to nothing to San Jose. Um, probably shouldn't have went out for dinner in San Fran Stoli, but we did. But, um, but so who was, who was the coach of their team? Uh, he was a USA coach. Uh, well, who was the coach for San Jose? Wilson, 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 right? Yeah. So Wilson was making some comments like, um, I think, basically that um i forget exactly what it was it was basically we, we weren't in the same league and um san jose was going to be fine they were a very good team they're right behind uh detroit and then i remember on the plane going back to edmonton and we were down to nothing and there was absolutely zero amount of um anxiety we and maybe it was just me i don't know but we weren't worried about a thing where we were like, there was no chance that team is going to beat us at home. And we were playing cards, doing our usual thing. We, to a man, and it just, just shows you about belief and how your brain can, can get you very far in life. We, we knew that at least it was going to be two, two. Like we just knew that. And we go back to Edmonton. Um, mind you, I think it was triple overtime where Rafi scores. But then after that, we just blow them out. Not even close. And their coach at the time was, just, you know, we're fine. We're going to be okay. And then we just destroyed them. I think the last three games was 20 to five or 20 to six. So we had this unbelievable confidence that I think was just um, kind of brewing during the, 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 the Detroit series. And then into a San Jose, um, there's not too many teams that go down two games to guys like Joe Thornton and, and, the, and the type of team that they had. And we had – there was no doubt that we were going to win that series. So, for me, that really sticks out and how strong we were and how confident we were. And we had that kind of that, that swagger, a little bit of cockiness that um, we were the best team. And I think that carried through. And the unfortunate thing is that that, that cockiness and that swagger was kind of taken away a little bit when Rolly got hurt. Um, but hey, that's hockey. A big thank you to Andre Brin, who heads up Oilers PR, and you can hear him on those calls asking the questions on behalf of the Edmonton media. Great to hear from Stoll, Morrow, and Rollison. I've had a chance to interview all of those guys, and uh, I have to say they're all uh, outstanding to deal with, and it's incredible to see how fondly they look back on that team and that run and and they speak glowingly of it especially Dwayne Rollison really I feel that uh that was the year where he really really felt uh on top of everything and and loved playing here and and the fans and was beloved here and still is to this day so uh, really neat to hear from those guys and again big thank you to Andre Brin and the Oilers PR team that brings us to this day in hockey history May 8th, 1990, Edmonton's Mark Messier scored twice and added two assists as the Oilers won 4-2 at Chicago in Game 4 of the Campbell Conference 
finals. That does it for this edition of Locked On Oilers. Hope you enjoyed the week looking back at franchise greatest games. Be sure to tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On NHL. Myself and Joe DiBiase from Locked On Sabres have got you covered heading into every weekend on Locked On NHL. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Take care.